You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, episode 42. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Artake segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. This week in our Your Stock, Our Take segment, we take a look at Macro Enterprises, MCR on the TSX, which executed a construction contract on TransCanada's Coastal Gas Link Pipeline project. The estimated contract value is in excess of $900 million, with approximately $360 million of that going to macro over a three-year period if it moves forward. For a company with a market cap uh, lower than 100 million. It's a very significant potential contract. Is it a buy, sell, or hold? We will tell you. This our star of the week is Canada Goose Holdings G O O S on the TSX. It's a designer, manufacturer, and distributor of premium outerwear products for men, women, and children. So think those goose down parkas that you see all over downtown Vancouver and Toronto in the winter time. The stock jumped as much as 49% this week after the company reported record record annual results and a positive outlook going forward. Finally, our dog of the week is Polaris Infrastructure Inc., PIF on the TSX, which owns and operates a 72 megawatt capacity geothermal facility in northwest Nicaragua. The stock dropped 22% this month as the situation in Nicaragua worsens. Uh, The country appears to be in the throes of a massive uprising against Ortega's regime. Is it a dog or is it an opportunity? We'll let you know. Now let's dig into the show. I'm going to welcome back my co-host, Keystone's VP and senior analyst, Mr. Aaron Dunn. How are you doing? I'm good, Ryan. How are you doing today? Doing very well, doing very well. Busy week. I was out in Toronto at a conference this week, uh, a microcap conference. About 35 companies there interviewed uh, about 10 management teams, took in about 10 presentations, uh, had a great visit with uh, Expel Technologies, a uh, company that's in our focus buy that we talked about a couple times on the last several podcasts. Shares in that company continue to do tremendously well. I think it's one of the top gainers on the TSX uh, on venture this year. So it's great to see the momentum continues and management, uh, uh, again, is uh, the outlook looks positive going forward. That's great. So any possibility of new recommendations coming from that, that conference? Uh, indeed, there was a couple companies there that, uh, that screened well going into, a couple that I talked to actually in the last uh, several months going into that conference that happened to be there. So there's a, uh, two or three companies that uh, you know we're looking at closely. We can't disclose those names at this point, but we're probably going to update our clients uh, on the companies we talked to uh, at this event of the 35 that were there. So uh, we'll put out a small update on that as we did 
for the LD micro conference we were at in California uh, less than a month ago and put that out to our US clients last week. We looked at what well, there's 234 clients there or companies there, sorry. Uh, and we looked at, uh, you know, went to 20 plus meetings uh, and did 20 uh, plus uh, watch 20 plus talks. And, and, you know, there was three or four companies there we had under coverage already and, uh, some additional companies that we may add. It was a, a worthwhile event. Aaron, yeah, was there I, with I was, I was quite impressed actually by the LD micro event. It's, it's pretty rare. Usually I find when we go to these, these micro cap events, there's, there's almost nothing that would satisfy even our minimum criteria, which is revenue and profitability. But yeah, I was, I was quite impressed. 234 companies, uh, 11 of those companies made it into our high interest category. So these were these were stocks that that we're going to follow very closely over the next couple quarters. Could potentially see ourselves recommending, depending on on uh, one or two different factors that that may or may not happen. And I believe 38 companies in our medium category. So those are companies that that have some investment merit are certainly worth digging into a little bit more probably pretty far from an actual recommendation, but definitely worth mentioning. So yeah, like you said, Ryan, we, we put those together. We wrote up many reports and comments on these companies so that our subscribers can get, a, our clients can get an idea of some of the stocks that we're looking at and what could be on the the roster for, for future recommendations. But definitely great event. I love the structure, how they focused on just, just presentations and meetings as opposed to the, the trade show format. Yeah, it was good for us as analysts. And you say, you know, 11 out of 234 to some people, that might sound like a low ratio. But to give you an idea, if we look through 100 companies, if there's one company that we can even put into a medium to high range of our interest, that's, you know, that would be fairly standard. So, you know, to have 11 out of 234 was actually a high, uh, a high percentage for us. Yeah, I was impressed. It, it, it exceeded yeah. my expectations. Yeah, and we'll, I think we'll be going back to that event in December and we'll update some our clients at that point on our findings from that. But let's get into the show. We got three companies we're going to discuss today. The first one comes from a listener. It's Arnie in Mississauga. He said, I noticed Macro Enterprises, the pipeline company, signed a huge contract this week with TransCanada as the lead on Coastal Link gas line. What is your take on the stock, essentially, he was saying? It's time we answer a question on your stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take. Buy, sell, or hold. Uh, We'll look at Macro, symbol is MCR and the TSX. The current price is $3. Its market cap is around $91 million. What does the company do? It's a Canadian-based oil and gas service company. provides pipeline and facility con- construction and maintenance services to companies in the oil and gas or energy sector throughout Western Canada. The significant news this week on the company that came out on June 19th, they announced that a, a joint venture construction contract for the Coastal GasLink Pipeline Project. This is the proposed pipeline that will deliver natural gas from Dawson Creek area of northern BC to a facility near Kitimat, BC, where it will be converted to a liquid form for export by LNG Canada. Now, this total value of this contract is estimated at $900 million. It will be split 40-60 between Macro and Macro's partner on this contract, so that would be about a $360 million uh, contract for macro over a three-year period estimated. The final investment decision is expected to be received by the fourth quarter of this year with full notice for pr- procedure on this issued shortly after. 
While it is expected to move forward, there is risk here that it will not. There's always risk with pipelines that they don't move forward, but there, you know, it looks like it will go forward, but there's still risk here. It is just a, a proposal at this point. Now, current in service date for the pipeline is uh, projected to be Q4 of 2021. So they'd have to really start to get to work in 2019 on this project. Let's look at the company's recent financials. Um, Macro has a pristine balance sheet. We like it for that. $33 million in cash in the bank, $1.10 per share. I said it was trading at $3. So over 30, you know, over a third of this company's value is in cash. There's no debt. Or that's net of the small amount of debt. The last quarter, though, was not strong. Q2, revenues were down 31% to $8.8 million from 12.7. Net loss was down slightly. Uh, to 2.3 million from 2.6 in the same period. Adjusted EBITDA came at 1.3 million negative, so they lost EBITDA, and uh, compared to 1.7 million negative EBITDA in the same period of last year. Over the past eight quarters, as the company's awaited new contract work, it has posted five quarters of positive EBITDA and three quarters of negative. So our take on this, we know management, and they definitely know this segment and are good operators. Like we said, the balance sheet is pristine. The trailing earnings and cash flow has been lumpy with more negative really over the past couple of years than positives in a tough time for the company. The stock is high risk, uh, but if the Coastal Link project moves forward as it appears it will, the potential for a return to significant growth for macro over the next three years plus is real. The near-term earnings prospects remain subdued. In fact, management has stated coming out of Q2 that the first half of this year, right now, its calendar year is expected to be, or its fiscal year, sorry, is expected to be challenged because of the significantly, and significantly lower than what it posted last year. Now, Macro was also selected in a 50-50 joint venture with its partner for a $375 million construction project on the Trans Mountain Expansion Project, which the federal government in their infinite wisdom has now agreed to pay $4.5 billion for to purchase that project. So near term, there is some uncertainty here, but Macro could also stand to benefit from substantial work on this project when it eventually commences. If both of these projects uh, proceed as contemplated, Macro is well positioned to profit from them. If you believe in the proje projects, the stock offers good speculative value, but we would wait to see further confirmation that both of these projects are moving forward. And think we think we have time over the next three to six months to monitor their stock. And if you, if you have it now, we'd hold it. If not, we'd just monitor it for a potential entry point. Yeah, I remember coming across this company about five, six years ago, and they were they were trading about two times earnings per share. Uh, they had growth and a really nice balance sheet, and the the stock went on a big tear after that, uh, a big tear. It, it it went up about two, three hundred percent. But it's 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 had some tough times since then, and I think it is important to to know when you're investing in a company like like Macro or or any type of company in this business, like energy services or infrastructure services, is that it really is. A feast or famine business. So there are periods of time when you can sign good contracts and you can generate a lot of revenue growth and profitability. And then there's other periods of time where you're basically struggling to turn the lights on. So that is that is a major element of risk when you're looking at a company like Macro, as well as margins too. It's yeah, one thing. And it's, 
Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's, it's it's one thing to to sign a big contract, generate a lot of, of revenue growth, but really what matters to us is what ends up on the bottom line, the profitability. So the margins that they would generate off of this project right now, obviously, are are unknown. Uh, those, those yeah. just a couple factors to consider when investing in a company like this. Yeah, and sometimes they can be a price taker in the market, which isn't the greatest position to be in. And uh, and sometimes the margins don't come out in the first part of the contract. In the second part, it, it looks better. So, um, you know, there it looks like big dollar amounts, but we got to make sure that they're uh, operating it well. We do know that in the past, this company, you know, has been operated well and they have been able to produce margin. The good thing is they have a good balance sheet that they produced out of cash that they've uh, banked from doing good business in the past. Uh, there are companies who service the energy sector, the pipeline sector, that have terrible balance sheets right now, and uh, we wouldn't touch with a 20-foot pole, proverbially 20-foot pole, 10-foot pole. Uh, but this is a company that has done it well in the past, but like Aaron said, it's feast or famine. They may be looking at some feast going forward, but you know, pipeline building them out in Canada is a dicey business, and uh, when these projects move forward, we'll have better visibility on, uh, on cash flows, and we'll wait to that point. So we're going to look at our uh, look at our dog of the week, and I'm going to let Aaron take that away. From our stars and dog segment, it's time for this week's dog. Sure. Thank you, Ryan. Our dog of the week is Polaris Infrastructure. Trades on the TSX at about $14.50 per share under the symbol PIF. The stock was up a little bit today, but it's, it's trended down steadily since April when it hit a peak of just over $20 per share. This isn't a company that I directly cover myself, but I have been asked about it many times by clients over the past several years. So basically what they do, they're, they're a renewable power producer. They own and operate a single geothermal facility in Nicaragua, in Central America. And the recent downtrend in the share price isn't related to the company's financial performance, which has actually been pretty steady. Um, one of the things I like about, about Polaris is that it does produce a lot of cash flow. It pays a nice dividend and it trades at a discount relative to other renewable stocks that are listed on North American exchanges. Right now, the company pays a yield of about 5.5%, which is well covered by cash flow. They reported about $35 million in operating cash flow over the, over the last year. So that puts the valuation to cash flow at about, about six to seven times. And the revenue is generated under a long-term contract with the Nicaraguan government, which runs until 2029. And, and the revenue in cash flow has also been increasing in recent years um, as the company is adding new geothermal wells to its present facility. But in spite of these seemingly good fundamentals, Polaris has lost about 25% of its value since April. So why why is this? The reason essentially boils down to the political climate in Nicaragua. There were massive protests against the government in April, which led to the death of about 40 people. In response to these protests, the government did back down on some of the measures they were taking with respect to social security in the country. Um, this seems to have temporarily calmed things down in the near term, but in general, the general sense right now is that there is a growing, there's growing social unrest in Nicaragua and dissent against the, company, the country's current president, um, Daniel, Daniel Ortega. So really, this has just created a lot of uncertainty for Polaris, and if there's one thing that the market hates, it's uncertainty. 
So this is this is this is also the basis of my main complaint against the company. Um, when I've been asked about it in the past, it really is a one-trick pony, and that it only operates a single asset in a jurisdiction, which uh, which could at some point become unstable. It's it's not an ideal jurisdiction to have one asset in. Ultimately, I, I do think that it is it is generally a good company, but it is higher risk. And for clients that have asked me about it in the past, I've always said, if this is something you want to own, you should probably own a relatively small position. It is cheaply valued compared to peers, but there is a good reason for that. Uh, like I said, the, financially, the company does look healthy now, and things may start to improve for the stock going forward, depending on what happens in Nicaragua. But for this week, it is our dog. Yeah, I think that's an excellent summary. I think if, you know, and it all is right now dependent upon that geopolitical situation, that's that's that risk, uh, you know, of where the company is actually operating. I think fundamentally, uh, it looks solid right now. And, you know, actually, the last quarter was pretty decent. The outlook is decent going forward. I think the company kicks off a lot of cash, like you said. Uh, but, you know, there's there's your uh, geopolitical risk uh, raising its ugly head. If those tensions, if, if, if there is a resolution to the situation there, I don't see that happening short term. But if there is, then the, pro- the stock probably, you know, returns to the levels it was at. But uh, it's probably why it's given a discount, too. Oh, absolutely. And, and I know that yeah. part of the strategy, they want to acquire an asset outside of, of Nicaragua and diversify a little bit, which I think would be a great idea. It's just a matter of what's available and at what price. So that is yes. something they want to do. They've not done it yet. If they were able to do that, acquire something that was attractive and redirect some of that cash flow, that then that could be something that we would we would we would look at. From our stars and dogs segment, it's time for this week's star. star. All right, well, let's move to our weekly star. This week, we take a look at Canada Goose Holdings, Inc., symbol G-O-O-S on the TSX. It's a great Canadian success story. Company closed the week at around $76.61. This stock jumped as much as 49% this past week. For a company with a $9 billion market cap, that is a significant surge. From the $60 range to just under $90 at one point before settling, like I said, at $70.61. That's still up 27% on the week. This came out after it reported record Q4 2017 annual results. What does the company do? They design, manufacture, distribute, and sell premium outerwear for men, women, and children. Like I said, those goose down parkas you see all over Toronto and uh, Vancouver and many other cities throughout Canada in uh, in the winter months now financial results tremendous annual growth annual revenue was up 46 percent to 591 million net income came in at 96 million up 344 percent on a diluted basis earnings per share were 86 cents for the year up from 21 in this in the in the same well this in 2016. now over the last, the growth is great here, uh, but we're looking also at what the company does going forward. You always have to look forward on a company. They provided guidance. They said over the next three fiscal years, what they're expecting to do. That's actually good, a good period of guidance. Most li- most often you'll see just annual guidance, but this is companies looking three years forward. They're looking at annual revenue growth of at least 20%, which is strong growth an average annual growth of adjusted net income to be at least 25%. Again, this is great growth, 
But with the current market multiples on the stock and what it's trading at, uh, management better at very minimum deliver on these goals. And we would hope they handsomely beat these targets to, to sustain the current multiples. The company trades with a PE or price to its earnings in the range of 100. Uh, given the average market PE is under 20, it's four times the average market PE. Uh, actually, five times, sorry. The average market PE. With a price to EBITDA on a trailing basis of around 65. Now, if it keeps growing cash flow at 50 to 100%, these multiples, although lofty, can seem even attractive. But it's unrealistic to see the company, even the company itself is saying it won't, and its targets grow at 50 to 100%. So we like the product and the growth and the story here as a great Canadian growth story, but we don't like the current valuations. We do note that yesterday Canada Goose announced that certain of its shareholders, including certain of its executive officers and directors, intend to offer for sale 10 million subordinate voting shares. The stock on this news today, uh, just Friday, dropped uh, 7%. Generally, we do not like a dual share structure, and typically companies issue shares when they feel the share price has gone beyond its fair value near term. That's what the market may have been thinking as it dropped over 7% today. We think that may be the case in this case, like I said. Nevertheless, the gains on the week make it our star of the week, and it's certainly a great story in the Canadian retail segment, which has been a tough space to be in over the past several years. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always nice to see a great Canadian growth story. Um, so certainly that, that that's a great thing to see. 100 times earnings. That's just not likely a valuation that we're typically typically going to pay unless we have amazing growth over the next couple of years and just a lot of visibility so that that growth is fairly certain. But yeah, certainly for us, for our type of research, growth and value, it has the growth, not the value. But uh, so for us, we would look at it as a great company, not a great stock for us. But it has been great, yeah, obviously, I mean, it- for its investors. So yeah, far. and like we said, we love the great Canadian growth story. A business, you know, that started and has had that as a nine billion dollar investment or uh, market cap now. Um, you know, we, like we said, love the product. Feel free if anybody from Canada Goose is listening to send us a couple of your parkas. It's not going to influence our recommendation on the stock at all. We think it's overvalued at this point. Uh, unless they can continue to grow at 50 to 100% in terms of cash flow. But, you know, like I said, good story. We want to buy a good story at a, at a relatively reasonable price. We think that the shares got ahead of themselves, particularly when they're cresting around $90 uh, just earlier this week. Well, I live in Vancouver, so I don't know when I'm going to wear a, a parka, but never really <laughs> We go to Toronto cool, a few yeah, times I, a year, so go. we need it when we're out there, right? <laughs> just for those couple days, it gets way too chilly for us. Um, yeah, you make a good point. I think it's more of a fashion statement, but I'm going to digress. Anyways, I think that's a wrap for this week. Uh, Aaron, I'd like to thank you for co-hosting with me. I'd like to remind our listeners to continue to uh, rate us on, uh, on, on iTunes and uh, like us on Facebook and all those other social media channels. Send your questions in to our Your Stock, Our Take segment, and we may answer one of your questions on uh, a stock in your portfolio in next, week's, uh, in next week's podcast. Again, thank you for listening and profitable investing. Profitable investing.